Hey, everybody, welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast, where every Sunday and Wednesday, we'll bring you fast-paced, powerful 15-minute conversations with insights and best practices around career and business, as well as trends in tech and media for our industry. Today, I'm sharing part two of my take on 2023, where we are, where we might be going. Um, If you missed part one, I hope you will go back and listen to it. It'll be here on your favorite podcast platform, or you can find it on our website, www.socialbeautymakers.com. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. So I'm going to begin with with my kind of theme for the year, and I'll probably say it too often on this podcast, but I, I, I think it's worth reinforcing. I'm so passionate about it. And that is that I think this is a year of kind of less is more. I've been using the phrase small is the new big, um, but we've got to do small in a big way. And I think it's a great mentality for business, regardless of size, because we can think of, of, of smallness in categories within a business. Um, we can think of it in so many ways. But again, we, we live in this world where there's just so much going on. There's so much bigness around us. There's so many layers um, that sometimes are, are worth taking the time to unpeel a little bit um, to make our, our businesses, the experiences we offer um, better um, for our customers, um, better for ourselves and, and the work that we do. Um, and and better than our competition. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, in the future. A quick recap of, of the last episode. Again, opportunity um, was, I think, the bigger theme. 2022 was a year of great opportunity for so many, and we have so many proof points around that idea in the industry, especially the data. Um, so a great year for many. Um, and I, I see that continuing in 2023, in spite of talk about recession, uh, inflation, go back and listen to that last podcast for some insights into those ideas. And we must be ready for those things. And there's a lot of uncertainty for sure, but um, we don't want to be paralyzed by that uncertainty. And we certainly don't want to miss out on opportunity that could be in front of us, regardless of where the economy goes. So it's important to, to kind of know what's going on, but to, to also you know, move our businesses forward. I think, you know, pandemic also, it was fascinating. I feel like it reinforced a lot of the best practices that have been around for decades. And I think that's really important. We have new ways of doing things. Some of those evolved during pandemic, like Zoom, online consultations, all those kind of things. But consultations, the idea of consultations, no matter how we do them, has always been a best practice. And that's just one example of these core ideas that have served salons and professionals so well for decades you know, um, again, we're, we're rediscovering many of them. And I, I, I feel it's uh, that in itself has brought opportunity to the industry. Also, I think pandemic gave many permission to do some things that always needed to be done that perhaps they weren't aware of, perhaps are new to the industry, but raising prices. So glad to see the industry embrace raising prices. Many of us have talked about it for decades, how important it is, how powerful it is, and how there's so many great examples of doing just that and doing it well. So, you know, really important to to do it. But most importantly, I think, again, pandemic gave us permission to to, to raise prices, to, to to work in new ways, to schedule in new ways, to, to have boundaries if you didn't, um, to not take crap from clients. But again, we've got so many examples of people who've always had the right attitudes around those things and practices. So interesting, definitely interesting. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about 2023, add some a little bit more context to the last conversation, talk about what I've been seeing and hearing as we begin the year. Um, and I'll start by just saying we're all kind of flying a little bit blind because this industry, worse than most, does not have a lot of data. We, we don't have 
really the research being done that gives us the information in a solid form that we can all benefit from. And I, I hope that that changes in the coming year. Um, I do see uh, from some of the survey work that has been done um, that we are continuing to trend to a part-time workforce. And you kind of get a sense of that from the online conversations, a lot of talk about cutting back hours. Um, again, we're in an industry filled with choices. So, you know, individually, no judgment, but I am concerned that we are we now know that over 60% of hairdressers work part-time. We've always had a large percentage of the industry work part-time. And there's, again, nothing wrong with that if it fits your personal and professional needs. But we're kind of in a tipping point time now. And it concerns me as how people look at the industry as a predominantly part-time industry. And are we truly, quote-unquote, professional if that's where we're headed? But also say for those who are younger thinking about part-time, you know, uh, there's a there's a big idea out there that takes about 10,000 hours to truly master a craft, truly master, which most people never do. But if you're part-time, it's going to take you longer to really, really be proficient. I would always recommend that that people hang in there full-time the best you can for as long as you can to get experience. And then once you have it under your belt, you have many, many opportunities to make shifts and changes. And again, so many choices ahead. I think that's a better time to consider part-time, again, depending on how it fits your life. We continue to see turnover um, as an ongoing problem for the industry, um, but suites seems to be every indication I'm getting is that it's really problematic. Um, that is probably the the category with the highest turnover, and and again uh, that concerns me. Suites also is becoming an incubator category for traditional salons, and I love that. We, there's all this talk about moving towards independence, moving away from commission. Um, commission is solidly here. And I think it'll always be here, but we're seeing a lot of folks in suites as they create success, as you bring assistance into the mix saying, oh, I want to go open my own um, salon, a traditional salon, a rental salon, but but a salon, a, a freestanding outside of suites, you know, business. Um, and again, it excites me. Um, so, you know, good stuff there. Another category I would say of, of, of thinking um, for the coming year is niches. And I've talked about this before. I really feel that um, we, one of our biggest problems as an industry is we talk about it amorphously as if it's all one. We talk about salons, we talk about professionals, but we're really an industry filled with many, many categories, many, many niches, not only by practice, all the different ways that people think about the work that they do, but think about business models. Those are niches. And as I said, uh, suites are experiencing some high turnover. That doesn't mean that Every part of the industry is having that same problem at that same level. So we have to think about niches when we think about turnover. Um, we should be thinking about business models when we talk about all and any trends. We should be thinking about how salons position themselves as a niche. Are they a luxury salon? Are they a value price salon? Are they somewhere in between? Those are niches and those niches are having, they're tackling different problems. And that's important to understand. Size of business, how long someone's been in business, geography, um, again, all niches, um, staff and levels of experience, the generations who work within a salon, they vary from salon to salon. And if that's the case, it creates other types of niches. Culture is very important. And and I guess the bottom line is we are not a one-size-fits-all industry. And I, I just think it's important we recognize it and and think about our industry and the work we do around the, the idea of niches. I think a big trend coming out of last year will continue this year is an awful lot of people are doubling down on things that have always worked. And when I say always, I'm talking for decades and decades, kind of the, the core ideas that have always driven salons forward. They continue to do it today. And again, there's so many proof points all around us all the time. Um, some are discovering these ideas for the first time and, and yay for that. 
but word of mouth has always been important. It happens different ways today because of digital tool, but word of mouth matters. Experience is, is foundational to kind of defining a salon and, and certainly has an impact on, on clients and, and how they feel about what happened. And again, impacts word of mouth. Recommendations, whether it's services, whether it's retail, referrals, rebooking, these are all practices that have mattered for decades for so many. And again, the tools that we use to accomplish them has changed significantly in many cases, but the practices themselves continue to matter. Trend perspective, marketing. It's everywhere. It's been with us for a long time. It's always been with us. Um, the cavemen probably came up with their own version of marketing, but, but there's never been marketing like there is today. And I think none of us should ever feel safe um, and, and let our guard down from a marketing perspective because the other side of the coin here is that client loyalty is at the lowest it's been in a long time. So, and, and some of that, again, I think is because the pandemic gave many clients permission to look elsewhere. For a long time, clients were kind of afraid to think about going somewhere else to get their hair done, even if they weren't that happy. Social media changed that up a lot. The pandemic, I think, supercharged that idea. So understand that clients have many options today. Um, and that connects to the idea of experience. And if you really want to hold on to your clients, you want to deliver the best possible experience for every client who walks through that door. And again, I think this is where that small idea, that small doing it in a big way can matter because um, you're working with an individual client. You know, There's smallness to that in that relationship. And how can you, again, kind of blow that experience up for that individual person so they want to do what? Tell people about you. Again, word of mouth. So, so important. And PBA did a survey, um, I think it was in late, I think it was fall of 2020, if I remember right. Fascinating information. And it really validates what I've been hearing from so many people throughout the pandemic and, and into the current times. When I ask them about where do they find new clients? Because I'm always curious, like which platforms and how is all that working? The PBA survey um, showed that over 80% of salons are finding new clients by word of mouth. Now, that's a confusing term because word of mouth can be social. And I've been really kind of digging into those conversations with, with people in the industry. And I'm always surprised how word of mouth, old school, one client telling a prospective client to go to that salon remains one of, if one of the strongest marketing tools, I guess, um, um, if not the strongest. Um, and I, I, I can't reinforce that enough that do social. Absolutely. I'm such a believer. Um, you know, do everything you can to market yourself, but. Don't forget old school word of mouth. It actually works. I want to dig into technology, but I'm going to save that um, for a future podcast. Two podcasts out. Our next podcast is going to be Tabitha Coffee. More on that in a bit. But um, And then I'll come back and, and talk about trends in digital. I mentioned last time that coaches is a category that I think has been overbuilt. I think we're going to see a contraction. I'm very pro coaches. I'm a huge believer. I, I know so many of the great coaches in the industry. I know there's a whole new crop of coaches that has come up the last couple of years, and I see some amazing talent. I, I love following almost all of them. Um, but like anything, there, there's good, there's great, and there's not so great. And I'm hearing too many stories of people who are struggling um, with coaching experiences, um, some losing their businesses, coming close to. Um, there, there's some bad stories, as there is with everything. And so my best advice is, A, think about coaches. I think they're a good thing. B, check references. Um, and, and maybe not the references that you get from a coach, um, but find people you know who are using coaches and, and, and ask them 
what their experience is and, and, and use that word of mouth. Um, find out where coaches come from. Google tells you everything. Um, you know, kind of check them out. You know, um, go back and look at some history. Does it look like they've done where they've come from, especially if they've been around for a while? Um, because if they don't find much, it's a big red flag. And and not there's there's what you might find out about the coaching business, but I'm talking about their past experience as professionals. What were they doing and who were they doing it with? Because it's hard to be anywhere without leaving a little bit of a footprint online. So you should be able to find something. And a red flag, um, you know, if not. And so again, love coaches. See all kinds of good things happening because of it. But again, I think the category is a little overbuilt and I look for some contraction. And um, I'll just say, you know, may the buyer beware when you step into this space. Um, real quick on online shopping, because there's been so much conversation about from some saying, you know, retail's dead and you, you've got to move into e-commerce. I'm going to do another podcast on that um, soon with a guest. Um, but as someone who loves everything about the online space, um, this is just not reality. Uh, we saw a big spike in, in, in digital commerce. We saw it fall dramatically um, coming out of pandemic. And we're just a couple points ahead, maybe three points ahead of where we were in 2019. And in-person shopping, especially for certain categories, has kind of roared back. As I mentioned last podcast, a lot of folks have told me how well they've done in, in salon retail in this last year. So that's exciting. But if, you, if you're doing online, which I encourage everybody to do, I think, I think it's a good thing. I think it's another way to promote, um, to not just promote, but to sell. And, and it's great to have different choices for different customers. But Forrester Research, one of the best in digital research and, and digital best practices, says that from a uh, experiential perspective that a lot of people leave online and go back to physical stores because of bad experiences. And, you know, we're all about experiences as human beings. And what are the things that offer great experiences or, or how do clients measure? What do they benchmark against? Ease of navigation and the right amount of information. You've got to be able to get around the site easy, find what you're looking for and have enough information to make a purchase decision. Prompt delivery or pickup. Amazon's trained us. We want to get things quickly. If it's going to take three, four days to reach me, unless it's really, really something that I must have, I'm just like obsessed with it, I'm probably not going to order it. Fair pricing, no back orders, both really important to most of us. And just like people talk about in the salon, people will actually sometimes be Googling while they're considering a purchase. Well, trust me, they're doing the same thing when they're on their phone you know, or they're on their computer and they're looking to make a purchase when they're not in your salon. Consistency and service. Again, if we have one experience is great, but the next one's not so great, that, that becomes an issue just like it does in the real world. And lastly, quality packaging and messaging. And I think Google's not, not Google, I'm sorry, Amazon. I think Amazon's not so good at this. Um, I, I've always been a little disappointed with, well, I've been a lot disappointed often with the packaging that comes from Amazon. But we're in the luxury space. We're in the beauty industry. We, we're, we're different. We're special. And I think our packaging and our messaging, whatever that might be, whatever's in the box to give them a message and encouragement to come back and shop again, I think that it should reflect the businesses um, that we have. So I, I think you know that's really important. Last thing to say on, on trends is education, digital education. Um, it blew up during pandemic, doors opened for academies, people were traveling to education, educators are traveling. Definitely have seen a rush back to that. That excites the heck out of me. Um, but digital education is still here. A lot of people participating. I've seen a couple surveys that indicate that it is still holding very, very strong. And people are actually taking more digital classes than they are in person. That's a great thing. But I will say from a industry trend perspective that we're not where we should be from a content creation perspective. 
it's really difficult to find great digital education. There are not too many examples of it in the professional beauty industry, in my, in my opinion. We're doing too much of, of just showing what you would see if you were in person. Um, and, and you get less if that's all you're seeing. It's, it's, it's missing something. And I think, again, we've not stepped up our game collectively as an industry in this space. And um, I think that's a huge lost opportunity that is holding too much of the industry back. And that's my, my, my last thought. Um, I'm a little bit over on time. And so I will say as a, as a final, final thought that um, opportunity. Again, I see big, big opportunity ahead. I say that, you know, be concerned with the uncertainty, plan for the uncertainty, but, but don't miss out on the opportunity. Um, it's ahead of us and, and that excites the heck out of me. I am so happy that you're listening to this podcast. Uh, I can't tell you how much I love doing these podcasts. I've done them now for seven years. I'm excited to continue doing them. If you want to get an early listen to a podcast, I'm putting them up a day early. So they launch on Sundays and Wednesdays early in the morning. Um, they will be on the website, www.socialbeautymakers.com. They will appear there 24 hours in advance. You can go there and listen to the podcast. You can also sign up for my free e-newsletter there, which will notify you the podcast is there. We won't spam you. Um, it'll also send you, you know, free articles once a week, curation of some of my favorite things outside the beauty industry. So, you know, if you're into that sort of stuff, I encourage you to go there and sign up. Yeah, if you like the podcast, I hope you'll share it. I hope you'll leave a review. I hope you will help to spread the word. Um, I'm doing this again in a small way and um, excites the heck out of me, but I'd love a few more listeners. So so share with folks if you like it. Um, again, thank you so much for being here with me. Lastly, I'm Gordon Miller, and you've been listening to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast. I can't wait to share with you again next time.